Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, America, and across the globe. This is Billy Jones, the author of Everyday Folks Books and creator of Everyday Folks Radio. Thank you for tuning in today, Sunday, September 3rd, 2017. And today is a wonderful day. Why? Because we are celebrating here at Everyday Folks Radio our 100th episode. This is so awesome, and I can't thank you enough. First and foremost, I thank our fans across the globe. Many of you may not know this, but we have listeners not only here in America, but in other international territories, such as Canada, United Kingdom, Africa, Australia, Japan, Korea, Germany, Italy, the list goes on and on. So I thank you so much for supporting us, whether it be listening to our live shows or downloading any of the archive shows from the iTunes repository or from our very own webpage. And also I have to give a special thanks to a few extraordinary ladies who I must acknowledge this would not all be possible if it weren't for their hard work and dedication to our programming. First, I'd like to recognize the amazing Anika S., who is the creator and host of Journey Into Passion. And Journey Into Passion is the second highest running show on our Everyday Folks Radio brand. And thanks to her and her incredible insights, we are at our 100th episode. And also, I'd be remiss if I did not acknowledge another fabulous group, our K-pop team, SML, the crew, you know who you are. Thank you so much for all of your work with Keeping Up With K-pop and informing all of our listeners about the latest happening in K-pop music. As well, folks, if you haven't done so, you should check them out on their YouTube channel as well, where they do live reactions reactions to some of the latest artists and their releases. So thank you, ladies. And I also thank you, listeners. Many folks don't know this, but we are now have well over 3,000 listeners listening to us from different places or downloading our feeds. That means a lot. And for the past two years, this vision of what Everyday Folks was about, it really started as an idea or support to the Everyday Folks book brand that I I own. But it's, it's morphed into something greater. And I can't thank you enough for coming along with us and being part of this journey. And who knows what will happen in the next 100 episodes. So thank you very much. If at any time you'd like to chat with me during this live broadcast, You may do so at 347-539-5372. Again, that call-in number is 347-539-5372. And if you're shy and you prefer to send me a message instead via email, my inbox is standing by. You may email me at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Now, I'd like to share how our format is going to work today. Two things. One, I'll do my best to sift through those questions and filter questions on my end 
that I receive through social media and as well as through my inbox. If you're in my caller queue, I'll try to get you online as well um, to make sure that you are heard. But I also have a series of questions that came in the moment we brought, we promoted that this show would be, uh, we'd be broadcasting our 100th episode. So I have this list of things that I need to accomplish in the next hour, and I hope we'll be able to get to all of them. And if I don't, don't be upset. I promise to get back to you and respond to you and give you a shout out in the subsequent show. So just a few announcements that you should be aware of. Many of you have been asking a question about the October tradition that we had last year. Last year in 2016, for those of you who are newcomers, here on Everyday Folks Radio, my show, BJ Speaks, I hosted a show titled Paranormal Hour, where various callers and individuals and even guests, I had a few guests as well, will call into the show or be part of the show and share their experiences with the paranormal. And of course, in a tribute to the season, we thought it would be great as an idea to celebrate Halloween, celebrate literary horror, and at the same time, give people an opportunity to chime in on their own stories. Well, it was so successful. And in fact, it was one of our highest grossing shows or episodes for me. And as a result, we decided to bring it back for 2017. So yes, folks, here in the month of October, most of, almost all the shows that we'll be doing that month will be get dedicated to Paranormal Hour. And each one may have a different focus. So do tune in and check my webpage, webpage at billypauljones.com where you'll see more information about that. And also in our social media feeds too. Also, I'd like to say thanks, if not congratulations, not necessarily a thank you because she always gets thanks because she's so gifted. I want to give a special shout out to my dear colleague, Marina Frey, who presented yesterday at the monthly meeting of South Florida Writers Association, of which I and Anika S are members. And I was unable to be there due to another commitment, but I must acknowledge from the pictures that Anika sent, and as well as from some of the comments from my other colleagues who attended, I know Zarina that you did great. So congratulations to you, my friend. And folks, I would hope to bring her back to my institution sometime in the academic year out during March, actually, and she presented a wonderful spoken word tribute of her work. And so, therefore, we're hoping to bring her back out because many of my students have been asking for her up in the Broward County region as well. Some things are coming up that I hope that you'll consider. September 18th, my dear friend and colleague Ziggy Pastor will be visiting Broward College. Um, and that is a Monday, by the way, 9.45 to 10.45 a.m. And she'll be reading and talking about her genre work, which is nature poetry. And so if you haven't had an opportunity to be to visit the Everglades, her work was on display out there for some time. And so if you, were, if you weren't able to make, out, make, it, make it out there to see it, perhaps you can come out and see her on the 18th of this month. As well, on October 21st, members of the Distinction Society's Lambda Omicron Delta Sorority Incorporated and you, Omicron Delta Fraternity Incorporated, the Epsilon Chapter of Broward College, as well as a student club known as Writing Out Loud. They're putting on the first annual haunted house. It is titled The House Over There, a haunted attraction, Sad Friday, October 20th at Broward College. Admission is just $5. Student, faculty, and staff admission is free. I do hope that you'll consider joining the group. I'm proud to say I'm a faculty advisor to all three. 
So we're looking forward to creating a house where, honestly, we hope that you will crawl out of the exit as a result. And then November 9th, my colleague Ricky Dorn will be joining us at Broward College, and that is a Thursday, and she'll be speaking and reading from her latest work of poetry as well. So do stay tuned. Both she and Ziggy were on the show earlier this year, and they were just fun. They were amazing, great guests. And definitely a great opportunity to see for you to learn and see what they're about by coming to their respective events scheduled within the next few weeks. So enough of that. I want to get to a few things here that I thought is very pressing. One, here at Everyday Folks, we have been working very diligently to bring programming that is unique but also highly relevant. So Everyday Folks brand itself it focuses on, it gives an opportunity more so rather than a focus on everyday individuals who may not be on the covers of tabloids, who may not be given an opportunity for recognition, as well as some notable individuals, a forum to be heard and to be explored. So if you're looking for an opportunity to be on our show at any time, you can shoot me an email, visit billypauljones.com or Everyday Folks uh, Archive or Listing, and let me know. And if Perhaps I may not be the show that may work for you. We always have Journey into Passion, which is a great show. Anike has done an incredible job, and her lineup of speakers have been second to none. And these have been individuals who she has done a marvelous job in probing, if not exploring, their passion. What makes them tick, and what makes them consider the choices they make in order to succeed? And what are their coping mechanisms? What are the things that they utilize in order to rise up when things get tough. And so let us know how we can be a part and how you could be a part of our programming by hitting us up. So I do have a few questions here that some of you that have texted me or emailed me. So I'm going to do my best to get to a few of those shows. So here, here's the first one. Raina from Hollywood, Florida. Raina, thank you for listening. Raina asked the following question. Her question is as follows. How do you prepare for a show? What is your inspiration? Thank you for the question, Raina. I'll tell you this. Show prep is not something that you could do last minute. If you're going to do anything related to the work that we're doing here as podcasting, you have to plan well. And there are other gatekeeper expectations that are obligated with the process, such as speech, and as well as making sure that you have a platform and a topic, a focus for each of your segments. But even more so, the first thing that happens is coming up with a topic or idea for a given segment. So on BJ Speaks, one of the things that we try to do here, at least on, my, on this show, is to provide an opportunity for everyday people to get their chance. So I have this list of individuals, some who I know or others who come to me via other former guests. And what we do is I provide, I reach out to them see if they're interested and if their schedules coincide with the programming and live broadcast of our show, and we start setting things up. Now, do keep in mind, we do work with different individuals in different seasons. So if it is, let's say, Hispanic Heritage Month, and I would love to, to introduce, let's say, a colleague who is a writer of Hispanic Heritage Origin, great opportunity for us to provide a platform and a message as it relates to that theme, but that's not always our case. And so... At, in, in my case, one of the things that in addition to that is making sure that there is a focus and the topic is right, and then also making sure the topic is doable within the time frame. 
So there is this desire to make sure that the platform and the conversation connects and relates to that, that window. Another thing that we, that I, that we do to keep, it, to keep things very direct is making sure that we poll or, 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 or survey our, our listeners. So those data are very helpful for driving us to do and to promote the things that we do. And yes, our, my, our own individual, each host's individual creativity, whatever he or she desires to do, it always seems to drive the case, but we're very sensitive to what our listeners want. And we'll continue to do that, folks, by the way. From time to time, if you subscribe on BillyPaulJones.com, I'll provide you a personal link to our survey so that you can be a part of the feedback data that we receive and, effect, and therefore effectuating change among or within the Everyday Folks family. And one more thing is the second part of your question, Raina, which is about inspiration. How do we get inspiration? It happens just like it does when I do for me as a writer. So I could be hanging out with friends, and all of a sudden one of my friends makes a point that's so relevant or makes a salient idea that I feel is so impactful. I'll record it. I'll make a voice memo, and I'll revisit it later. Or if a pen or a piece of paper is next to me or next to me, I'll jot that idea down as well. So basically, I get in where I get in. So my inspiration does come from my environment. Sometimes things come to me, come to me through osmosis or through dreams. But many of the things that I talk about here, and I'm sure Nikkei as well, and, it's, and our K-pop team will say, it comes from the things that inspire us and the things that inspire our fans. So the more that you give us feedback and what you feel is most critical, the more we are to respond to that in a positive way and bring it here to this podcasting forum. So thank you for that question, Raina, and I do hope to get many more from you. Speaking of which, I do want to acknowledge that this is Labor Day weekend, and this is a great time for us to reflect on why that day is important. Many individuals are not aware of that Labor Day, which is a national holiday in America, was created in hopes of providing an opportunity for the workers and for individuals who have contributed richly to society, to industry, to get a chance to have a day off of reflection with their family and friends. And yes, a day is not enough, and I'm sure many of you will concur that a weekend is, is neither. But it is a time for us to, to celebrate. I will say here in South Florida, there's a different take on it. Because we live in the, in the state where there are many sunshine dollars to spend, if not earn, there is this interest to get out on the water more. Because also, the Labor Day holiday it marks the last holiday of the summer before the onset of fall and winter. And so, therefore, it is common for people to go out, go to the beaches, be outdoors, enjoying time, because the assumption is that as the year progresses and the seasons continue, it will get cooler. Well, if you've lived in South Florida for a long time, folks, you'll know that that's not the case. We could count the number of breezes we've had of a 70-degree Fahrenheit or below rating on maybe one hand per year. And in the wake of global warming and everything else that may be creating the challenges, especially us, to our environment, is getting colder much fewer times. So therefore, this is a special weekend. I hope you're spending time with your family and friends. And Raina, my first question, my friend, I do hope that you're enjoying the time if you can. We've already passed 15 minutes, folks. And if you have a question that you'd like to call in about, or you'd like to share something on air, you're always welcome to do so. 
My call-in line is 347-539-5372. Again, that is 347-539-5372. And if you'd like to email me, which some of you are doing already, you may do so at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. That's everydayfolks with an S, listen at gmail.com. Let's get to a few more questions. Robert from Davie, Florida, asked the following. Thanks, Rob, for listening. So what are your criteria for the show? Oh, good question. It's funny, Robert. When we first started this, the criteria was, A, individuals who inspire us and also have stories that need to be told to the world. That's still one of our mantras. But now what's happened is what topics, as well as individuals, inspire us and should be shared with the world? And so as a result, the criteria for that are as follows. One, there needs to be a a focus or direct impact of that conversation on a listenership. Secondly, there must be a relevance as it relates to that impact. So therefore, we want to make sure that what we present is relevant to a community. And third, there is the idea of creativity. In my particular show, I'm always fascinated with either the topic or the individual who I'll work with, what it is that makes them tick or what makes that topic worth discussing. And so the creativity and the innovative elements behind that emanate from the topic or individuals themselves. So the criteria are really that few. And I'll be honest, if you're doing this kind of work, your podcast criteria shouldn't be a million things, but there should be a few gatekeeper expectations that you have as a host or creator and ensuring the integrity of what you do. Because as things move forward, I will say that everyday folks is not, even in my wildest dreams, the very thing I thought I'd be doing at the magnitude that it is making an impact today. And so therefore, you have to be open-minded, which is a sub-criteria, being open-minded to all possibilities and the opportunities that may arise out of doing or being a part of such creative work. So these are the criteria that we hold to. Is it something that we write down and we sit around in a planning room? Sometimes it comes to that, whether we work as a team, our everyday folks, family of hosts, or and or our guests, because at the end of the day, we want people to be reflected upon positively, and this is a positive form. So we try to not deal with the negative pictures, or we try not to deal with uh, the, the challenges of negativity that some individual perspectives may provide, but we also have to be real. So those things creep in within our interviews. We can't stop those. But what we try to say here is that we want a place where people can just feel good, even if it's just for 30 minutes, even if it's for an hour or a maximum of two hours, which is the maximum number of hours we run our show. Thank you, Robert, for that question. So I see here that there are a few of you who are bouncing in and out on my queue inside the online or phone line call. And my number again is 347-539-5372. Again, that's 347-539-5372. But I'm going to jump to the next question because it comes from Orlando, Florida. Nikos from Orlando, Florida. Nikos, thank you so much. And Nikos, you're putting me on the spot. Dude, you're putting me on the spot here. (laughs) So I'm going to do my best to try to answer this as fairly as I can. Who is your most memorable guest? So, Nikos, I'll be honest, I like each one so much 
and I struck up friendships. I've had friendships with some of them before, the guests before. But there have been others who have come via others that have now become follow, followers and loyalists of Everyday Folks brand that I can't say I have a favorite, but, if, um, but I can say, but your question is about memorable. So if there was a memorable guest, I would say the following. I think Chicken and Wooster's story was interesting. They came on and talked about their joys and challenges of trying to raise, make a family, which they were successful in doing. So the twins, a.k.a. the Ollie twins, are doing quite well. And if you haven't seen them on Instagram or seen them on Facebook, you should check them out. And I just love to death their parents, both Chicken and Wooster, definitely one of my favorite shows. Because every time they're here, if you don't know Chicken and Wooster, go back and listen to the archive show. They wake up a room. And they're just so much fun. And in spite of life's challenges, they always see the glass is half full. So those are the kind of people that I like to roll with. And so, therefore, it's only befitting that I see they're one of my most memorable. Another show that I thought was most reflective was Dr. Larry Johnson, my dear former boss, actually, who's now provost up at a college in Missouri. He had an amazing story because there were things about him that I did not know that emanated during the interview. And he wrote an impressive memoir about his life. And in that memoir, there's other stories. And what's even more about that story is his story, that is, is that there were individuals during the making of his manuscript and later the publishing of his book in his family who no longer spoke to him. And I've never experienced that myself, but I can only imagine what it's like to be disowned for being truthful and standing in your light through your creation. So I thought that was such a beautiful moment. And I would say, well, there are two more. I'm going to give you two more memorable moments. I would say one of my other moments that I enjoyed very much was the surprise that my dear friend Ronald Matt brought me when he did a genealogy test or analysis of my background. And he came on air, had already spoken to my family, my mother in particular, who's the rat who told on me. So thanks, mom. (laughs) But nonetheless, he did his homework and he actually provided me feedback and brought artifacts that many of you could not see because obviously it was a broadcast. But here in the studio, he brought out a CD and all these printouts and new things about my background that he was able to dig that I didn't know could be done. And so I was so grateful for that. And I know he's so much into genealogy. And I'm hoping to see him sometime this weekend. So I want to say, Ron, if you're listening, thank you for being a memorable show. Now, there's one more that I got to mention. There's just so many. I love, my, I, I love uh, Justin and Cindy. These are two dear friends of mine. So Cynthia and Justin, they have an incredible story because they are an interracial couple with two different backgrounds, but yet same values, same core, same foundation of, of loveliness. And they presented such an interesting topic because they're so different, but yet they're so similar. And I had the pleasure, the last time they were on the show, it was months before they got married. Well, they're married now, folks, and it's been almost a year. And I remember going to their beautiful wedding, had a great time watching from the reception to watching from the time they got married and having engaged with both sides of their family. It's truly great to, to hear their story. You should go back and listen to it, Nikos, because it provides hope and resilience 
they also are survivors in their own way, and they're also educators, the kind of people who I personally feel should be teaching and inspiring our children. So definitely go and check that out and see what you can gain from that experience. So those were some of my uh, of many. I, 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 there are some others who I would say are just as good. I don't want to go on and on with the list, but Dr. Edrico Richardson, my colleague, who I miss so much working with, it was nice having a resident psychologist sitting right next door to me while I'm at work. So I miss having her on faculty at my institution, but she truly is a gem. And I love the insights that she provided for many of the guests on air. It was like she was giving community therapy via podcast. It was kind of crazy, but it was fun. And I'm sure some of you may have reached out to her long after her time here. And you know, Nico, I need to do this. I need to start bringing back and do a where are they now segment on some of these individuals. So, and, and I would say for everyone I've interviewed, they're doing remarkable stuff. They're not down. They're on the up and up. So I definitely need to bring them back in. Thanks for the question. I have a question here from Donnie from Jacksonville, Mississippi. So, or Jackson, Mississippi, not Jacksonville, because I'm thinking of Florida. So my apologies, Donnie. Jackson, Mississippi. Donnie asked the following. <clears throat> during, the, <laughs> during the Adrika Richardson show, you mentioned that people should watch their list of non-negotiators. Can you discuss that again, please? Funny you were mentioning that because I just mentioned Dr. Richardson just a few seconds ago. Uh, so, Donnie, here's what she meant in that show. This is the same thing that I took from her segment and I now teach to my students, both in my composition and creative writing classes. I heard this negotiate non-negotiators is as follows. If you're trying to find someone and you're trying to date, everyone comes with a list of non-negotiators. That is things that are not up for compromise. So when I asked that question to a friend of mine a year ago, so she, she's looking for someone, what is your list? And so she said, oh, I'm looking for someone. He has to have six figures. He needs to be able to have a car. He needs to have a college degree. And those lists, that list is fine. But the one thing that Dr. Richardson contends is the following. You can't put anything on that list that you yourself cannot confirm. So you cannot Say, for instance, I want someone with a six-figure salary, if you don't make a six-figure salary, or you want someone with a car, and if you don't drive, you, you shouldn't ask for those things. It's not fair in terms of being on the, several, the same playing field or level with your potential counterpart. So I think we all come with those lists of non-negotiators. The key is how we, how we sift through what's essential for us, because we only know what's best for ourselves. But also, I myself, I'm very open to criticism, so I value the opinions of people who know me and who work with me. And so when I offer them an honest question, I feel I'm getting an honest response that's not intended to hurt me, but to grow me instead. So I think what Dr. Richardson was trying to do there is people need to be in their own mindset with where they're going and what they want to do before they decide to move someone else into their lives, a.k.a. their houses, in order to build and establish a healthy relationship. So definitely look back on her show. During her segment, I think it was about 90 minutes, Donnie, there were several calls that came in and individuals, there were two live calls as well that I thought were very important. You may want to check that out and reflect upon that conversation. Folks, it's already been half an hour and I've only done four questions. I know I, I stink, but I'm trying to get to them as much as I can. 
And so if you'd like to call in to me, my line is still open, <clears throat> although many of you are preferring to email me instead, which is A-OK too. But the call in line is 347-539-53. Excuse me, 347-539-5372. Again, that's 347-539-5372. And you may email me at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. By the way, folks, if you're listening, you can also find the links to all this stuff on billypauljones.com too. And so there's a message coming in from my dear colleague, Anike. Billy Jones, she writes, congratulations on 100 episodes of the show. I'm so proud of you and, ho- and happy for your amazing accomplishments. Keep doing what you are doing, and here's to a million more. So congratulations to you, my dear friend, my beautiful friend. Anike is part of this experience, and we're all doing this 100 together, my friend, so we celebrate. So hats off and a toast. To Journey into Passion and K-pop too. Thanks for listening for your love. Moving forward, I do have a few questions here for Reynaldo um, from Miami, Florida. And Reynaldo writes the following. During Paranormal Hour last year, you spoke about an incident that occurred during a visit to a friend's house. Was that a true story? Well, Reynaldo, I have to say, what I made up was very real. Or shared. I shouldn't say made up because it wasn't made up. It was a true story. So I'll just recap very briefly. And if you want to hear more about it, you'll have to come back to Paranormal Hour next month. But the, the story went as, as follows. I and my colleague went over. She asked to use my SUV at the time. And this is about a decade ago. So this story is pretty dated. But she asked if I would join her in going to pick up donated items from a, a, another friend's house, which I did. I got there and I felt so weird and I don't usually feel weird and funky in certain places, but I was feeling it that day. So as I was there, I was feeling so odd that I felt lightheaded and I I sat down. I, I, I was offered water. I took it, but it was later discovered that my feeling was connected to the circumstance that had occurred at the house. No, the house wasn't haunted, but the, the lady of the house, who lives alone, she's a widow, she had experienced a potential break-in in her house. And she caught the, the break-in individuals by peering out of her bathroom window. She actually caught me eye-to-eye contact, and it scared them so much that they ran off. But the funny thing is, I was feeling like something was wrong there, and it felt like she needed to tell me something. So if there was anything that was different or compelling for me, that was what I felt. And I felt paranormal-wise, didn't think it was anything spiritual or ghostly happening in our house. But then how do I explain that I felt what I felt in that moment and that there was something that she needed that was inside her chest that she needed to let out? So I thought it was weird, and I don't want to experience that again. <laughs> but I have experienced that on a two other occasions since that time, but not in the recent years. But I have met some individuals. I'll share this in my tenure as an educator. I met individuals who I just felt were not well, and, they, and it wasn't because they were nasty or mean to me, but because something that they gave off. So I don't know if this is some gift or whatever one may call it, and nor is it something that I go trying to learn more about. But I think it's something that we're noting as it relates to paranormal activity. So that was that story, Reynaldo. And I do hope that you'll listen next month because Paranormal Hour, I got some things planned for you all that you're going to like. Definitely in the spirit of the season. Tina. Tina from Atlanta, Georgia, she asked the following. Thanks, Tina. 
How did you and Anike ask meet? She has a great show going. Well, how nice of you. Thank you, Tina. So Anike and I actually met through another mutual friend who and I, she and I used to work at my former college institution. And she hit me up on Facebook, a private message one day, this mutual friend. And she said, hey, I have a friend who wants to write a book and is thinking of writing and doing some other creative things. Can I connect you to her? That happened. Anika and I hit it off immediately, and it's been love to the sunset, happily ever after. And yes, I just love rolling with great creative people. And that conversation, it just spawned so many other incredible connections for us. And thanks to her, actually, and I say this honestly, Anika, thank you, because you introduced me to South Florida Rise Association. I've been a little delinquent in not attending the meetings for the past few months because of personal commitments and other things on my schedule, but I'm making it back in October. And if it weren't for her, I would not have met Ziggy Pastor or Ricky Dorn or Zarina Frey or wait, I'm missing one. There was another name of an author I had last year, but nonetheless, I would not have met any of these phenomenal writers. So I thank you. So that's how it works here at Everyday Folks. And I think that's how it should work in life. When people will come across your path, there's a reason why your paths are meant to cross. And I try to take advantage of that as much as I can, to be part of that person's growth, and as well as they are part of mine, and it just works. So that is how we met. And Tina, thanks for thinking about that on, in our behalf. I do have a few callers who are on the line, so I'm going to see if I can chime in with them. So if by any time there is an error in terms of transmission or sound, it's because I'm trying to tap into the live voice. So let's see who's on air. Caller, we're, you're live on the air. Thank you for listening to BJ Speaks. Who am I speaking with? Okay. Well, that caller is not there, so we'll see who else we can get. I see there's one more in my queue. Hi, caller. You're live on the air with Billy. Who am I speaking with? I guess they're all a little shy. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and move forward. I have tons of questions. I got like 13 to go and only 27 minutes to do it. So Ian from Jacksonville, Jackson, Mississippi. Thanks, Mississippi, for representing. Thank you for listening. He asked the following. <clears throat> Any talks of going YouTube? Ian, I have. I'll be honest, because podcasting and video work are two different yet similar platforms in journalism. I have considered, I've done both camera work on screen and behind the camera, or in front of the camera and behind the camera. Yes, I am thinking about that. I am looking at some of the opportunities of going with a YouTube channel that will allow, allow live YouTube posts and live Facebooking of some of our actual conversations like now. So as you're listening to me here, you could very well be watching me live on Facebook as well. So I am thinking about it. <clears throat> Is it something that I want to jump into? At first it was in year one. But then I realized that the podcast is going so well. In my mind, I thought, why fix it if it isn't broken? So therefore, I've held off on it. I am going to revisit it in the next few months to see how that works. So folks, do stay tuned. And Ian, if you'd like to be a part of that live broadcast, I'm trying to figure out a way to allow some of the listeners to actually come in on live too. I know it can be done, but I also don't want it to look messy or amateurish. So I got to do my homework. But thank you for your interest in more to come, my friend. There's a next question coming from Brianna from Miami, Florida. 
Bree, thanks for listening. One of my all-time favorite shows is Chicken and Wooster. When will they be back? That's a good question. I got to acknowledge something, Brianna. I think Chicken and Wooster are mad at me, and I have a confession. I have not been to their house to visit and spend time with their beautiful babies. And I keep being reminded of that from my dear friend Chicken over and over and over. And I do need to make it out there because I, I now moved on the other side of town, bought a new home in another place. So, therefore, I need to give her an opportunity to have my presence and not be on the calendar. So, I need to make that happen in the next few weeks. So, I'm going to bring them back. And perhaps, now that I'm thinking about this, perhaps we can actually do a live show at her house since I'll be there with the twins. Let's see how that will work. So, maybe I can give you a two-for-one. I can take care of my visit with her and spending quality time with her family with both Chicken and Wooster and the babes, and also also can get a show out of it. So let's see what we can do. Thanks for listening and asking, Bree. The next question comes from Mark from Chicago, Illinois. Thanks, Mark. Hope everything is well where you're at. Mark asks, how do you rate success? Well, it's pretty easy for me. I think you're successful by the mere fact that you open your eyes every day and you have another breath at life. And that is a part of success. So it's measured by the fact that you can breathe and make choices. It's also measured by how you carry yourself. I respect the man or woman who keeps to their word and does whatever they, he or she says he or she will do. So if you say, for instance, that you're going to, I'll use my world, write a book, it takes time to write a book. But if one day you decide to bring that to fruition, mad love to you because it's a process and it's a personal accomplishment. So I feel that success is achieved when your goals are met. And the more that you set realistic and attainable goals, yes, goals are meant to challenge us, to inspire us, to motivate us, to grow us. The more that you do that, that's success. And if success is not measured in wealth. I'm not rich. I've made decently, very decently off of everyday folks' books in the, in the early years, but I also have to live and work. And I'm not a proud, and I'm a very proud to say that. So therefore, having said that, I feel I'm a success story, much the same as the tens of thousands of lives I've touched or inspired in my classroom. There are success stories sitting in front of me every day. So therefore, I'm very grateful that I was able to understand success through those vestiges. And as I teach, I understand success more. So I'm grateful for that. And I think you're a success story too, Mark, because you're listening to our show right now. And thanks to your asking a question, you're helping our listenership grow and the richness and the purpose, the intentionality of our content, it is re- it's meeting its goal. So thank you for being a success story too. I love these questions, folks. They're just so much fun. And I only have 20 minutes left, so I need to get to the rest of them, shall I? <laughs> so here are a few more. There's another question coming in from Johnny. Johnny is from Los Angeles, California. Thank you for listening, Johnny. And I know that you're on Pacific time, so you're three hours back. It's just about noon where you're at, noon, noon at this time. So thank you for listening. Johnny asks, have you ever thought of planning a live, a live show? I think I kind of answered this already, but I'll gladly answer it again. Yes, Johnny, we have. I'm trying to see what we could do with that. I just answered a co- another question that related to it, but you may have just tuned in. I would like to do some live Facebook and YouTube broadcasts as well. And so we'll see how that goes and perhaps do a live broadcast during the live broadcast of one of our segments. 
More questions? Few time to do it. Little time to do it. Nate for North Miami Beach, Florida, has a question. Nate, thank you for listening. He asked the following: Which author guest has influenced you the most? That's a good question. I would say out of all the guests I've interviewed, I would say that in my dear friend Kip Johnson. Uh, owner of Black Tongue Clothing has influenced me, and it's because she herself, we talk all the time, and we always motivate each other, because we both have entrepreneurial spirits in different unique senses, but it's still entrepreneurship, and so I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity to work with her, have connections with her 24 hours a day if I wanted to, and we're able to bounce ideas off one another to help each other grow as owners, and independent thinkers. So every time I've had a conversation with her, I've had so much fun with her. So I really appreciate her influence. Another individual who I could just listen talk to every day, any day, is the amazing artist Kareem Fletcher. Kareem was, is a Miami-based artist who makes these extraordinary Afrocentric themed works, some of which are on display in some of our local colleges. And he's also not only a prolific artist, but he's a phenomenal speaker. And if you could hear this brother talk, wow. I've been on panels with him. He and I have spoken together. He has been a keynote at graduations. He just motivates me all the time just to be a better person, not only an artist. So I say also he's a, a positive influence as well. And then lastly, I would say is uh, an influence. You only ask for what? Or one person. I'm giving you three. I'm sorry. Um, but I'm, I, I would say another person who's influenced me the most has been, I would say, Ricky Dorn. Ricky has a, an incredible gift for artistry and writing and poetry, in poetry. And I just like talking to her. And I just like what she's about. And she always has my back and I have hers. And I just feel every time I have to talk to her, I feel like I need to start writing a chapter for my book <laughs> or write more poems. <laughs> So I thank her, and I thank Ziggy, too, because when you talk to them, or Zarina, there's a third, my little trio. When you talk to them, I just feel like I need to be on my game better because they make it possible. So I, I have so many influences. So they, they all are just lovely people. Now, question number 12. It comes in from Richard. Richard from Providence, Rhode Island. Thank you, Richard. He asked the following. What is the one writer's flaw that many beginner, beginning writers face? Well, Richard, I'll be honest. I don't think any writing is flawed in the sense that creation is creation. The cool thing about creative writing is that you can make the rules. But if you're going to write in certain genres or stick to certain traditions, whether it be poetry, short story, or novel, depending on the subgenre or genre that you're in, there are expectations. So I would say, however, one of the things that I find, and I see this in my creative writing students all the time, they forget that supporting details are important. And when we look at evoking human senses, there are five human senses. Most of the ones that I see with my, and I'm speaking of writers in my classroom, so that's where I see writers the most. They often focus on what they see and what they can hear. But they forget touch, they forget taste, taste and they forget smell. So if you could find a way not necessarily all in one chapter, but within the context of your work, if you do it in one chapter, it's great. But if you can embody all the human senses and supporting details, it makes the storyline stick. And that goes for a short story, 
and novel writing. When it comes to poetry, one of the things that I find is that many contemporary writers don't read other poems from contemporary writers who've already published or even canonical poets. You should get to see who's walked the path before you to get a sense of the flavor. For instance, if I'm going to sit here and say I'm going to write a sonnet, sonnets are, have a certain standard, and there are different types of sonnets, and depending on region and period. But if we're looking at a Petrarchian sonnet or we're looking at a Shakespearean sonnet, each of those are written with different influences. But the idea and notion of what a sonnet is is still the same. I need to know what a sonnet is. And I know that it has 14 lines and that it has a couplet and a particular rhyme scheme. All those things need to be considered. So if I'm going to keep to the tradition, I need to first know what the tradition is before I deviate from it. So I think those are some of the flaws, if any. Paul from Miami, Florida asked the following. Paul asked, what is Everyday Folks Volume 2 really about? Do they feature everyday people? Yes. And, and Paul, I've been delinquent. I've been too busy trying to live my life. I'm, I'm at fault for that because my creativity has been put on a back burner for do, instead of doing the thing I enjoy. So I promised in 2018, by summer, it's actually by May 2018, June, the book will be released. But this is what it will be about, real stories about real people who reside in South Florida. Every single story you will read, it's from someone or was told to me by someone or something that I perhaps could have experienced in some capacity. And I may have taken two or three different stories and compiled them in one story. So, yes, Everyday Folks is about real people stuff. Some of it's going to make you laugh. Some of it's hilarious. Some of it's just ridiculous. And some of it may make you cry. So, EF2 definitely will embody uh, a whole lot, lot more. It definitely will represent where I'm at as a writer today. When I first put Everyday Folks Volume 1 out in 2004, it, I was in a different place as a writer, as a man, as an independent thinker. And so I've grown, and I've grown a lot, and I think my writing has too. So definitely look out for it. More to come. And I am going to be releasing a couple stories here and there in the months to come to give you a teaser of what to expect. Folks, I'm down to the last 15 minutes, and I promise that I try to get to all your questions. I have about six left, so, so bear with me. Thank you for your inbox messages. Those of you who've been on the line as well, I see you bouncing in and out of my switchboard. It's okay because I think you're bouncing over to my inbox instead, which I salute you for all the same. Stanley from Miami, my hometown, he asked the following. Are your students encouraged to participate in your shows? Have you worked with students in the past? Yes, Stanley, I do work with students in the past, but no, I do not encourage students to listen to my show. And you probably wonder why is that? Number one, I don't want to compromise what I do. My work is my work. I'm not looking to promote my professional publishing platform in my professional world as a professor. Although I do acknowledge and I mentioned that it exists, and I do tell students they're welcome to see it, but it's never an assignment or extra credit incentive provided that they must be part of that experience. So no, I, I don't require them to engage, but many do. And I will say this as well. Some of my former students are now on the show and are a part of the Everyday Folks family. For instance, some of the members of the K-pop team were one scholars in my classrooms one, two years ago. And so I believe in them. They're journalism-bound or interested. I give them a platform, if not a laboratory, to practice in. So we're building their portfolio as well. So, yes, I will say 
uh, I do allow students to be involved in that regard, but no, I don't obligate them to do so because I just think it's unethical. So thank you for your question. Nikki from Orlando, Florida asked the following. First, Nikki, allow me to drink some water. So Nikki asked the following question. What is the one thing, DJ, you like most about each of your everyday folk shows? Good question. I like the fact that I don't know what I'm going to get. I, any of my interviewees and also the show, if I just have a focused topic, like right today, it's just me and the listenership and not a, a focused guest. I don't know what to expect, and I feed off of that. I feed very much off of not knowing, and I'm very well planned. If you are, are an interviewee, you will receive a script of gener- general questions, but there's a chance I'll never get to all those questions, and I do apprise or, or discuss the questions earlier with my guests, but I also don't give them everything because I kind of want them to hang on a little bit to the editor seat, and I do prefer those very natural, organic, candid moments that interviews should have. So therefore, I I do a combination of things to make sure that the unexpected does occur. And because I don't want it to be staged, I want it to be natural. So I do expect the unexpected, and that makes doing what I do so much fun, so much fun. There are a few questions that are still going on. In about 10 minutes, I'm going to hit them here. Fabian, excuse me, Fabian from Trenton, New Jersey. Fabian, thanks for listening up north, my friend. He asked the following. What has been your greatest challenge during one of your shows? Ooh, 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 ooh. I think Anike and K-Pop will agree. It's always great to have great dynamic speakers, but I'll talk about two challenges. You get two types of speakers or interviewees. One, the interviewee who can talk, 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 and you have to find a moment when you can cut in without being rude or interrupting the dialogue or flow. And then you have interviewees who are sometimes may need a little nudging along the way and may uh, answer one question or one sentence, and they're a little nervous more than they are being natural. And so those are some real challenges. <laughs> and so you have to just be planned or prepared. Or the power cuts out. That's happened to me in the past where the power gives out a storm rolls through and it messes up my show and it happens. So you have to go to your backups. You have to go to your resources. And if you get caught up, caught off early, it's very disappointing. So you have to do a backup. You have to plan. So I think the biggest challenge is the fact that the show is live. And if it's a live show, you don't know what's going to happen. I could fall. I could faint. Someone misspelled something or spilled something in the studio, but somehow some way the show goes on. As much as those may be challenges, I look at them as opportunities because I like to be flexible. So I feel those are where we're at, and those are some of the more um, pressing things that occur on a, on a periodic basis. <clears throat> so we're coming down to the last nine minutes, and I got three questions left. Drake from Orlando, Florida, he asked the following. Will there ever be a segment that focuses exclusively on popular music? So, Drake, I'm going to answer with a question. First, are you Drake the rapper? Because <laughs> if you are, then this is great. But then what would be the possibilities of asking a question about music and then, of course, having Drake in your inbox? And your email address also signifies that, too. So I'm really curious. But, yes, 
I will start doing that. I know that some of you have asked for some shows that look at specialty topics. And DK is extremely good at this, at doing um, series topics. So perhaps I need to start doing that more so as well. So I'll, I'll consider that and look at what music interest you are. If there's a particular interest, I have, I'm, I'm a performer as well, so I can sing different things. But my interest, I can't sing everything, nor do I desire or claim to. But I can say I enjoy listening to the music of R&B, pop, gospel, country, rap, hip-hop, um, ska, jazz, reggae. I even like some reggaeton. Um, I, I, um, ska, I think I mentioned that already. So there's a, there's a lot of things, K-pop. I like some K-pop artists too. So I definitely want to look at that. And I don't want to overlap in what someone else is doing, like what my K-pop team is doing. I don't feel that I would be doing a, I'll be doing a disservice if I try to impact this show. So I definitely will look at that and I will get back to you. For instance, a good time to do that would be during June, during Black Music Month. And so maybe I'll do a tribute to some of the greats. And so, oh, as an aside, by the way, Drake, last summer, I was going to interview the guy by the name of Billy Paul. I wanted to interview him, but he passed away right before our interview. So it never, I was never able to reach him. And I'm named after him, by the way. So I thought it would be a really great way to connect him, the music, and of course, our namesake. So definitely, I will come back to that. Thanks for the tip. Two questions left, I promise. And this one comes from Sam from Miami, Florida. Thanks, Sam. Any words to anyone who wants to host a podcast? I do. I, I have two words. Do it. And another two words. It works. <laughs> you got to keep up with it. And you got to build a, a, a listenership. Those are the automatic. But do what you do. Do and create a platform about something that you enjoy. And so I think that's, I think doing um, a, a podcast is a good thing. My, my words of advice is find a focus. And also be consistent, have the latest technology for what you're doing and being consistent with a schedule, a menu of offerings of, of programming. Those things are key. And keep to it. Because as you do these podcasts, a lot of folks don't realize this, but you don't get paid in some cases unless you start doing promos and commercials, not commercials, but commercials, commercials during your live broadcast, then that could be worth it. So I'd say, Sam, if you're thinking about it, you can shoot me an email. We could have a conversation offline. But <clears throat> do be advised that um, doing a podcast has its value. And there are so many cool podcasts available online. I follow other great individuals, too. And, in fact, I do encourage your listening to them to get a sense of and flavor of what other people are doing out there. Our last question comes from Brent from Manhattan, New York. Thanks for listening, Brent. So the sip of water there. He asked the following. Who is the funniest guest you've ever interviewed? Wow, that's a good one. So out of all of our shows, the funniest guest I've ever interviewed, it probably would be Chicken and Wooster. I know I keep using them, but they are so hilarious. I'll give you an example. Back in January, they came and interviewed me and, and, and was in an interview session with me. While at the same time, they're in the hospital. Two of their children, who were the babies, were young in an incubator. 
only a few months prior to that, they had lost loved ones. A year, about a few months prior to that, the lady who was taking care of a loved one passed away in their house. I said, my goodness. And yet they laugh about all this stuff. So either you keep from going crazy or you flip out. And I thought that their life is such a great comedy. And it's not a comedy of error. It's the comedy of certainty. I just thought that was so much fun. And I, and I love the laughter and the positivity that they bring. I just feel that they're fun. Another funny guest would be my sidekick, Fabio. So whenever I do my Q&A sessions, I bring in Fab. He comes in, he does his thing, and he asks the questions to me, and I answer them. And he's a funny character. So if you, you can't see what he's doing on studio, but he likes to, he'll fiddle with things. He'll ask questions. He loves cats. Those of you who know him well know that he loves anything dealing with a feline. So Grumpy Cat, he's a follower. Um, Maru, he's a follower. <laughs> so all of these individuals, um, these personalities that are real, these cat personalities are part of his life. So he's just a quirky character and a fun guy to know. So, yeah, there were some of my few favorites. Well, folks, I can't believe it. It's been an hour. And I've talked so much. <laughs> but I've talked to you. And I thank you for making Everyday Folks the cornerstone of your weekend and your Labor Day holiday. So this is not the end, of course, of what we do here. We have many more to go because this is 100. So who knows? In the next 18 months, we have 100 more. We're going to see what we can do. But I would say thank you for all of your love and support. On behalf of K-Pop, Aniki S, and me, we here at Everyday Folks Radio are very, very grateful for your, pa- your patronage. So continue to support us. And look out. Who knows? We may decide to do a few live pop-ins physically at a location near you. And I also like to say, if you're inspired to write, write. If you have a dream, it's okay to dream, but bring it to fruition. What, let me know and let any of us know here, everyday folks, how we can help support the incredible work that you're doing, because this platform supports what we're doing in our respective lives. So don't be afraid to dream and to bring those dreams to fruition. And then lastly, I have to say that it's been, and this two weeks ago started year 22 in my career. I've been 22 years an educator, and I have the same energy and zest I had when I first started 22 years ago at the age of 21. And I've had incredible mentors. Some have passed on. Others are still around in my, in my life or we stay connected. I'm just grateful that there is a village of people, and most importantly, my better half and my family and my dear and closest friends. All of these incredible people make Billy J a very happy man. And with that, I hope it makes what we do at Everyday Folks very genuine. So I thank you so much for all of your support. 100th, 100th anniversary episode is always fun. We're going to do more milestone shows like this to just reflect and celebrate. We work so hard, so why not celebrate? And I'm not just talking to Netflix and chill night. We're talking about an everyday folks afternoon. So thank you so much for your call and your love. Tune in next time. Next week, Nikkei has a show coming. I believe this coming Saturday, so you can check her website. And as well as me, I'll be back in a few weeks with a couple more episodes. Stay tuned, stay focused, and stay positive. This is BJ signing off. Until next time, take care and enjoy your Labor Day weekend.